Thank you, Russell and Rick. Be turning in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And while you're turning, I want to just uh, mention a couple of things on our appreciation for folks who, uh, who share their skills and talents with our church. I want to thank Denise for uh, the flower arrangement on the, on the front and also on the piano. She grew these flowers and then arranged them for us here. I appreciate uh, sharing her talent with us. Also, I can't say enough about my thanks to the guys uh, who are making the land development happen back here. Uh, several different uh, companies are donating equipment for us to use and several guys are running that equipment. Uh, Jimmy Wynn, of course, has been uh, coordinating most of it. He's here this much every day, most of the days. He's not here today because they are having a special service to honor Miss Martha at her church. And I said, well, there's where you need to be. But he is here sometimes till dark. And I appreciate all the other guys that are working. Let me uh, uh, just chat with you a little bit about the land. If those of you who don't know what's going on back here, uh, this has pretty much been about a 30-year quest to gain access to this property behind the church, and it finally came into play uh, when Louisiana Tech attained ownership of it. I want to say thanks to Tim, who used his skills uh, with uh, land management and landowners and so forth to negotiate the land swap. It was quite a convoluted thing to try to get this uh, taken care of, uh, and also, of course, the skills of the guys who, ha who uh, work heavy equipment for decades, we never used their skills, but we are now, and we are now in probably the hottest time of the year to be able to, to be out there cleaning up. But uh, some of you are wondering, what are we going to do with that property? Uh, there are several things that are going to happen there, and I just want to share that with you if you're not aware of kind of what the long-range plans are. Uh, the, the initial need, of course, is a new activity center. Now, this is not a luxury. We have run out of room for the Awana program in this building on Wednesday nights. Uh, when it comes to uh, feeding them all, game time, activities and classes in the building, we even have a group that meet in the sanctuary because they outgrew uh, the, uh, the largest room in the building back there. So we need a new activity building in order to house the, the Awana program. And somebody said, well, are we still gonna have people in this building? Yes, we need to use both buildings. Uh, in addition to that, there'll be a full court basketball court, and the Awana game floor will go out there for the Awana program, but we also have a place uh, for us to have activities inside. Uh, and also in this building will be a, a place for the teens to have their meeting as well, in that they've pretty much outgrown the upstairs. Uh, and that building will house part of the Awana program, an activity uh, center, also uh, the teens. And so th the property is gonna be used for reaching people with the love and the message of Jesus Christ is right off the bat. Also, we need a place to park the bus uh, and we're gonna make room for another bus. But here's something else we're gonna make room for. The shepherd bag ministry has been cramped in that little room for all these years and they have made it work. Uh, we want a bigger shepherd bag assembly storage area for this work, and that will be housed uh, in the bus building. There'll be a wing on that that will be climate controlled where they can be comfortable and have plenty of room to turn out those shepherd bags for our ministry all over the world. So that will be taking place. Of course, there'll be parking on it. There'll be a 
nice big playground for the smaller children. Now this has already been a concern because people have already been raising money for several years for the equipment. And the architect has made a room for a nice playground on this property close to both buildings where it'd be easily accessible with parents with small children. Uh, also on the property will be two outdoor basketball courts because while the big guys are playing ball, you want, of course, another court if the smaller people want to play. And so we have that that's going to be taking place. We'll have parking lot. Then on the, the bottom of the parking, I mean, the, the, the grounds down there, the bottom of the property, there'll be a big, large area that you can't build on, but will be perfect just to put grass on. And the get this, the architect saw that, and he said, softball field. And so we, we have room for those who are interested in that. Of course, you may say, no, wait a minute. Well, we have quite a sizable bunch of our folks that, that like to do the softball team, and there'd be plenty of room for that. We got room for volleyball. And some of you might say, well, I feel kind of left out because I'm not into any of all that. They're going to put a walking trail around the whole perimeter of the property, all the way down. It looks like a park down on the bottom part where, where the, the thicket's been cleared out. Uh, and it'll be a user-friendly walking trail for those of you who might be a little bit older. There'll be benches along the way if you walk a while and rest a while. We're going to make it very beautiful. But there'll be something for everybody, but especially there'll be a, a use of that property to make sure we continue to reach people with the gospel of Christ. Uh, so you'll be hearing more of that. And when all the plans are tightened up, we're going to have them up on the big screen have church approval before we get started, answer all your questions, make any changes. But it has really been exciting to see this finally take shape. And this is not a, a luxury of something we might need in the future. Uh, we need a lot of this now because God has truly blessed the ministry here. And the reason this happens is because we have such a church full of hardworking people who will pitch in and make things happen. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate every uh, skill, all the resources that's come together to make this happen. And the beautiful thing about this, this is not all that's going on. We've got a mission trip in Austin. We've got a Bible school coming up. We've got all these different things happening. God is using what you're able to do to reach others with the love of Christ. So I'm just saying keep up the good work Run out there and look at the skyline of Brister has changed drastically over the last week, and it'll, it'll change again before the next couple of weeks are up. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore, and he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on the stony places where they had not much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, for he will have abundance. For whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. The hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. He who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. He who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. And indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for the teaching of Jesus. We thank you that we still have these teachings today and they're here for a reason. We ask that you would give us clear minds and hearts to hear and to listen and to accept what you have for us to hear today. Father, we know that all of us today have an opportunity to hear your word, to understand it, and to respond to it. We ask that you would just deal with us in honesty and mercy and truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm aware of the fact that I don't know how many times that I've preached on this passage of Scripture. But if any length of time you begin to preach through the Gospels... Uh, you're going to have some overlap because uh, there's just four books. And over a period of years, you're going to be going back to some of the same passages of Scripture. But I like this passage of Scripture because it's summertime. And you know, summertime in South Arkansas and North Louisiana, two activities prevail. And two activities are notable among conversation. Number one, gardening. Number two, the lake. Both are covered in this passage of Scripture. You see, Jesus is at the lake. Jesus is not only at the lake, Jesus is on the lake. He's in a boat on the lake, and while he's on the lake, he talks about gardening. Now, I would say the Bible is very relevant to us because those two activities that people talk about in the summer, they're covered in this passage of Scripture. Jesus has got it covered. Jesus is on the lake because that's where the crowds are. 
And there's where he's preaching and taking advantage of he could get away from the crowds across the water. His voice would carry and tell them many things. And included in these many things is this parable. And the first thing we want to look at is the purpose of the parables. In verse 10, the disciples clearly ask, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus said, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. What he is is this. You've spent time with me in private. You've had teaching they have not had. But now here they come, and I need to communicate with them the teaching that they need. And then he says, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And he says, therefore, because of this, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. You see, Jesus said, I'm speaking to them in parables because this audience has problems. And these problems are prevalent pretty much anytime people gather together, and they're prevalent today. Two problems. Listening. What he said is this audience has problems with listening. And a parable would capture attention. Now, if you look in the Gospels, Jesus spoke in at least 39 parables. And he always spoke in terms that people could understand. He spoke about gardening. He spoke about housework. He spoke about relationships. He spoke about a shepherd and the sheep. He spoke about all these things that anybody in the audience would relate to. And they perked up and, and they would say, Jesus is talking about losing something. I can relate. Or Jesus is talking about caring about someone. I can relate. He's talking about gardening here. And, and a lot more people in that day could relate to that than in this day. So they had trouble listening. So Jesus would make sure that he had a parable that would capture their attention from the very start. Also, they had trouble understanding. You know, spiritual things sometimes are hard to understand and they're hard to grasp. The word parable literally means to cast alongside. So what Jesus would do is use a parable or an object lesson or a story. And he would say, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You can understand this much. And he would talk about the things that they could understand. And of course, this was very obvious. And he would say, here is how it relates to the spiritual world. And he would put the spiritual principles alongside of that. And what he wanted to do is make sure that they understood the spiritual principles by talking about something they already had experience with. And so he said, I'm speaking to them in parables because this audience has trouble. They're, they're hearing it, but they're not really listening. They're seeing it, but they're not really understanding it. He didn't say here at all that he spoke to them in parables so he could shadow it up in mysterious language that they could not understand. He wanted them to understand. Then he goes on to the, the passage of scripture in Isaiah where there's a prophecy. This did not mean that God wanted them not to understand. God just presented the truth of the matter that humanity would not, sometimes on their own decisions, accept the word of God. And he predicted that. The parables were not to hide the truth. The parables were to reveal the truth very plainly. Now we have, of course, the picture of the parable. 
pretty simple. And of course, this, this is, is not new ground to many of us. First of all, you have the three main components. You have the seed. Now in Luke chapter 8, in, in Jesus' explanation of the parable, he says quite clearly, the seed is the word of God. Here you can capture that as you begin to read through there. But the seed is the word of God. We know since the seed is the word of God, it is good seed. Nothing wrong with the seed. Absolutely nothing wrong with this message. And of course, like any seeds, the life is in the seed. The life is captured in the seed. Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews said it this way in chapter 4, verse 12. The word of God is quick and alive. That word quick, uh, quick and powerful, that word quick means alive because you know this, sometimes kids and even adults bite their fingernails and you say, oh no, I bit it off into the quick. What did you mean there? The living part is now affected. That word quick doesn't mean fast, although the word of God does act pretty fast and it works pretty swiftly. The word of God is alive and powerful and there is life in the seed. Now, something else about the seed that we need to understand. The same seed is sown widespread. So if there's a problem with the crop, the problem is not with the seed. Now, there's a principle we need to listen to and take to heart. If there's a problem with the crop of my life and what my life is producing it is not with the seed. It is not with God's word. And it is not because I didn't have access to it. The word was sown widespread. You know, the question sometimes is asked when we went to Cumming, Georgia, we went to Nixa, and now we're going down to, uh, to Austin. There's churches in those towns. Why? Why do you plant a new church in a town that already has churches on, on many corners. Well, here's the, th the thing about it. Yes, there are a lot of churches in Cumming, Georgia. I would say that's probably the Baptist capital of the planet, Atlanta, Georgia. But here's the thing. Though there are many churches already in that town and already in Austin, there are a lot of people for whatever reason, and sometimes their own reason, that they're not being reached. And the new church plant many times will be of such a personality that it starts to reach those that are not being reached by the other churches. Now, there's nothing wrong with the other churches, but there's a corner of the society. There's a corner of humanity that somehow, someway is just not responding to those churches. It doesn't say there's anything wrong with those churches. But you get somebody new coming in and makes a deliberate effort to go to them. And that's exactly what's happening with our mission crew in Austin, Texas. The seed is sown widespread. So here's a corner over here, a group of people, maybe not in a geographical location, but some segment of society that somehow, someway is not being reached. You want to throw some seed over there and make sure that the seed is widespread. You see, the excuse is not that we hadn't been exposed to it. The excuse always lies somewhere else. The seed is good seed, and the seed has been spread. Secondly, of course, is the soil. Now, we know the way we plant it is we plant very 
deliberately and very precisely. We dig a furrow, we put the seed right there, there's where the seed's going to grow. However, in, the, in his day, Jesus' day, fields were kind of narrow strips, and the whole field was plowed up, and the seed was thrown everywhere. Now, these narrow strips were between point A and point B, and people just walk across them. And they would have a footpath through there, and it would pack the ground very hard. Uh, and when you plowed up the ground, sometimes you would plow through places that ordinarily is not cultivated, and there would be uh, shallow earth there. And there would be seeds from thorns and so forth there. You see, the soil had different characteristics, but here's the key. As the farmer was sowing the seed, the soil all looked the same because they plowed up everything. So he would just throw seed everywhere. Now, as we sow the seed of God's word, we don't know the condition of a heart, do we? We don't know what's going on in a life. All the soil looks the same. So he would throw the seed everywhere and make sure that all the soil had opportunity. The sower, of course, sowed seed on all of it. He was deliberate. The seed didn't sow itself. Somebody had to sow it. There's a, there's a big message there. We won't look at these two first ones, the seed and the soil. And in doing that, let's look at the process of the parable. And that is the process of the parable is the growth of the seed in the four types of soil. We look, of course, at the footpath. The footpath is hard and packed. And what that means is the seed never really got in. And he said, these are the seeds that are sown on hardened hearts. Hearts that really don't care. They have no interest in spiritual things. They have no interest in God. Or if they have interest in God at all, they're mad at God. They're mad at God. They're mad at God. God's people, they're mad. It, they don't want God in their life. That's the seed that's on the hard path. And said so the seed never, ever really gets a chance to get in. Talks about the birds coming, picking it away. Because it never gets into the heart. Then, of course, you have the shallow ground. The shallow ground is this. They would plow it up, but you never could tell what was really under the ground. But the bedrock was close to the top. Since the bedrock was close to the top, that ground would heat up first and things would come up really quick. Oh, look like we had a good start. But it says this, as soon as the going got tough and there was troubles or persecution, the people would wilt away. Because you see, it would spring up, but they didn't have much roots and so after a while it would wilt away. People would lose interest. Because it got a little hard. It took a lot of effort. Or maybe they even had some, some trouble along the way. And over time, they lost interest. Now here's what we find in talking to pastors all over. Is a lot of times we are, have no problem finding starters. On either a project, or a program, or a ministry, or a particular area that needs some attention. We have no we can find starters. It's easy to get excited about something. But then it's hard 
to maintain interest and investment and effort over a period of time. And a lot of times, people just fizzle and they just wilt. Why is that? Jesus said it's simply because the roots have to go deeper and the roots have to get some nutrition. And people are like that. Sometimes it's inconvenience. Sometimes it's criticism. Sometimes it's disappointment. And here's the thing about disappointment. Disappointment always hits the group you really don't want it to hit. Because here's the key. If you didn't care, you'd never get disappointed. But since you care, and maybe results don't come quick enough, and things don't happen like we wanted them to, or people don't respond like we think they should, then we get disappointed. Disappointment actually may be a good sign. At least it means there's some care there. But it's hard, isn't it? And it's hard to stay with it when we get disappointed. But disappointment or sometimes discouragement. People start, but they don't finish strong. They don't finish strong. And Jesus, he addressed this issue. He said there's a particular type of soul. Then he talks about the thorny ground. Of course, you remember that all the ground looked the same. It's not like the sower saw a bunch of thorns and started throwing seed over there. All of it was plowed up and all of it looked the same. And he threw the seed over there. The seed started growing, but the seed had to compete with other things. And he, of course, says that the seed on the thorny ground, it says, he who hears the word and the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he become unfruitful. Now, Mark mentions this in the parable, that Jesus not only said the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, but he said the desires of other things. The desires for other things. Luke says it this way, the pleasures of life. Now, many of these things are otherwise good things because we think of thorns as something that's bad in our life. Well, that doesn't apply to us because there's not a lot of bad things going on in our life and we start naming the vices and the habits and so forth. He talks about otherwise good things in a life that choke and compete with the Word of God to where there's no room for God's things in that life. He talks about the cares of this world. Now that could be worry. Uh-oh. Choking the word. The pleasures of this life. The blessings even of this life. You see, sometimes our faith is not tested with the trials. Our faith is tested with the good days. When things are going good, business as usual, we're being blessed, do we pray as intently? Do we focus on God as intently as when the chips are down? Well, you have to answer that question. I do too, but I think we know the answer. Sometimes the test of blessings is the one that we fail. And Jesus said, here is the seed among the thorns. It starts out, but it never really has a chance because it's got to compete with everything else going on in the soul. In God's word, church, God's things has to compete with everything else, whether it be recreation, whether it be work, whether it be worry, whether it be relationships, all these things compete with God's word and all of a sudden we have no attention for it. We have no interest in it. And then he says, the good ground. 
The good ground produces a crop. And here's the thing about the good ground. It's a double blessing. Not only does it produce a crop for now, but the crop for now provides seed for later. So the good, crop, the good ground makes a crop now, and the good ground makes sure that there's going to be something happening later on. You know, when people get discouraged about, it doesn't look like that I work and work and work, doesn't look like things are going on or God's blessing my work. And what I have to say is this, sometimes the real impact of the work that we put in at Brister Baptist Church may not be seen here and it may not be seen now. But God promises to bless our work. Sometimes the work we put in will be seen in the next generation. And sometimes the work we put in will be seen somewhere else in the world, as in with our mission work. So we might say, well, what's the use if I don't see it here and now? The use is God's going to use it somewhere, and God's going to use it sometime. And the good ground produces a crop for now, and the good ground also makes sure there's something going to happen later on. Now, we're speaking in abstract here when it talks about the crop. We want to look at exactly what that crop is here in just a few minutes when we look at the application of the parable. The application of the parable. Number one, all the soils appeared the same at the outset. So we sow the word, and right now it all looks the same at the outset. Number two, the hearer is responsible for what the word produces because the seed is good and the soul received it. And it was, it was thrown to everybody. So nobody could say they didn't get it. And nobody could say that they got bad seed because all the seed is good because he said it's the word of God. Thirdly, the true test of a proper response to the word and the test of genuine devotion is this don't miss it time because two souls produce something real quick a flash in the pan if you want to put it the rocky soil man big response right off the bat great the thorny soil things came up but over time the true test of the fruit would reveal itself. So what kind of fruit are we looking for over time? Because that's kind of abstract. Well, the Bible says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. So we look at our lives, and over time, are we producing love, joy, peace? Now, uh-oh, here's where it gets hard. Patience. Love and joy and peace, it's all good. We like to put plaques on our walls with those words on there. But then we have, of course, gentleness and patience, uh-oh, and goodness, decency, meekness, self-control. Now, all these things are evidence of a good crop. So we talk about definitely decency, honesty, genuine care for others, love for others, peace. Are we promoting peace or maybe something else? Are we stirring up 
something else. Or are our lives indicative of decency and honesty or something else? Over time, what's coming up? And one thing that Jesus mentioned, of course, is we got the seeds on the thorny grounds. I think all of us have experienced life enough to know weeds sure can come up quick, can't they? And it takes effort to get them out and to keep them out. You see, the true test of a proper response to the word is not just now, but over time. Now, the purpose for the sower. The purpose for the sower is this. In verse 15, Jesus talks about the reality. He says, the hearts of this people have grown dull. The ears are hard of hearing. Listen to this. The eyes, they have closed. Bingo. He puts the responsibility on the hearer. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, and I should heal them. See, the purpose for the sower is this. I want them to hear and understand so that they will turn. The King James says, be converted. Other English translations bring out that Greek uh, expression to return. Because we might say, well, there's no need for conversion with me. You know, I was saved a long time ago. Well, that word also means to return. Sometimes we fall away and have to get back to where we should be with the Lord. You see, the goal is that there would be a change in their lives. And the goal is that they would be healed. So he says, that's why I'm speaking to them in parables. Because look at all these listeners. Not all of them are the same. Here's some over here will outright reject it. Here's some that will look good for a while, but they'll fizzle. And here's some, they'll be the real deal. And he was challenging them. Because here's the difference in the parable. It's not all parallel. The soil may not be able to change whether it's on the rocky or whether it's on the footpath. But Jesus clearly said the responsibility of what kind of heart the seed falls on is with the listeners. And if our heart is not the right kind of soil, it doesn't have to stay that way. We can change how we receive the word of God and turn, be converted, or return, and God can make a change in our life. A change for now and a change that will last over time. As we prepare for an invitation of him, Jesus talks about gardening and Jesus simply says, good seed has been sown today and everybody got it. It looks like everybody is about the same because I can't see into the hearts. But Jesus said, hearts are different and I'm talking in parables to make sure that every heart has the opportunity to make the right decisions and to make a change and that I can work through their lives. And whatever need you may have, you know that already. God's word has been presented. Let us pray and receive it and respond as we sing what number?